streaming on Paramount Plus. You ready, Bob? Well, all right. Audiences are raving. Bob Marley is electrifying. It's the feel-good movie of the year. You dig? Bob Marley, One Love. Rated PG-13. Now streaming on Paramount+. Plus. Welcome back to College Basketball Recruiting Weekly. I'm your host, Adam Finkelstein. It's a new year, and we've got another great year of content coming your way. Thank you, as always, for joining us, whether you're watching on the 24-7 Sports YouTube channel or listening on the podcast feed. This week's show is going to be all about the best college freshmen in America. Year in and year out, Eric Bossi, the National Basketball Director, who's joining us here today, writes a story or a series of stories updating us on college freshmen throughout the course of the year. Now, Isaac Trotter, National Basketball Writer, is joining us on this show because, pull back the curtain a little bit, on last week's internal staff meeting, when Bossi is talking about his list, Isaac started running his mouth a little bit, and now we're going to do it live for everybody to see. So we're going to have the battle, and it's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, in all seriousness, thank you both for joining us, and let's get right into it. Bossy, first question I have for you on your um, freshman tracker. What exactly – now, these are your rankings individually. These are not like the, the recruiting rankings or even Travis's big board or anything like that. This is this is the Eric Bossy list. So what are you ranking? What is the criteria for this? I'm really trying to go on actual college performance here. Um, okay. I think an NBA list would look much different than this initial Baker's dozen that I've done. So, and that's not always easy to do, right? Because some guys' teams aren't doing very well. There's some guys who are putting up huge numbers at mid-majors and haven't played against as much competition. There's a few guys who've had some injury issues, a few guys who started later, this and that. So there's a lot that, that comes into play. So I'm really trying to throw out the recruiting rankings as much as possible and, and just do the best job I could in ranking them based on their college performance. Of course, there's room for some disagreements here and there, but I think that I did a pretty good job of sticking to that as, as much as possible. Okay. And I want to also highlight that this is different in criteria than based on the big board, big boards based on NBA upside, which Travis is going to do later this week. It's also based on the high school rankings, which tries to synthesize three different variables, NBA upside, college productivity, and high school uh, productivity into one number. I know that's an inexact science, but that's what we're trying to do. So this is strictly about who has been the best freshman through the first two months of the season. Number one on your board, coincidentally, or perhaps not, was the highest ranked prospect coming into the college season, and that's Isaiah Collier. Now, I know just from our internal text in the last couple of weeks, you went back and forth with this one a little bit. So why did he end up number one? I just think that if you put all the numbers together and crunch everything, he's had the best individual freshman season so far. Um, I know things haven't been great for USC with just an eight and seven record as we sit here and take this on a Monday morning, but I think that every expectation that there was for Collier, he's pretty much lived up to it. His vision is elite. His ability to score, particularly at the rim, is really, really tough to argue against. I know he's been, hasn't been the greatest from three-point shooting, but he's, he's at around 32% right now, just under there. So it's not totally laughable shooting or anything like that, and there's certainly room to, to get better. But I just think by all the metrics I looked at, total impact on the game, I do think he's had the best freshman season of anybody so far. All right. Now, Trotter, no one is more well-researched with the metrics than you are. I don't want to put you on the spot, but since this is a quid pro quo kind of show, do you have any rebuttal for Mr. Bossy? 
You know, honestly, I felt like it was an kind of like a, one of those takes that won't be super popular, but I kind of agree with Bossy here because I think the national narrative around Isaiah Collier has been that he's really struggled this year. Defensively, I think there's been some issues. You know, I think that the assist rate or the turnover rate, the decision-making has been something that people have talked about, but I think the eye test is actually a little bit better than what mm -hmm. the numbers look like. You know, I think that some of the, the speed in the open court that he plays with, his ability to create great shots, I think USC has kind of a more overarching issue with the roster construction and you know some regression from other players it's not necessarily an Isaiah Collier problem but it, it seems like he's kind of gotten the brunt of some of the the national narrative of why USC is struggling oh it's Isaiah Collier's fault and I'm not sure that's necessarily the case so long story short I, I agree with Bossy on this one that he should be number one even if some of the instances haven't been super super great yeah, I like it. I'm uh, if you've watched this show, you know, about a month ago, I had said, you know, he was shooting the ball really well to start the season. And I had said that was a huge surprise. And had we projected that shot to be what it was early on, he would have had a chance to go number one because we were pretty upfront about the fact last year that there were basically seven guys who had a case to be number one in the high school rankings. Collier, um, my biggest concern was his shooting. And although he looked to be drastically improved in that area to start the season, it has come back down to earth a little bit here in the last few weeks. And so, um, but to your point, boss, I, I think he's been really good. I mean, uh, almost 16 points, three assists and four plus, I'm sorry, three rebounds, four plus assists per game. And my, the other concern though, fellas, and we don't have to go deep into this. Those are offensive metrics. You know, I think some of the defense, um, has has left a little something to be desired. And that was an area that, frankly, I was hoping he was going to be a little farther along in because of how competitive and physically strong and just big he was. But we'll dive into that in, a, in another episode. All right, number two on Bossy's big board uh, of the best freshmen thus far is Jacoby Walter from Baylor. And Boss, I'm going to admit, uh, you know, not only has he been one of the best freshmen, but he's also one of the guys who's making a really strong case for the NBA draft, although I know that's not what you are uh, ranking with this in this particular instance. So I went back just to see. I know we had a lot of internal dialogue about making sure he moved up late in last year's uh, ranking process. He finished he finished at eighth overall. So another top 10 prospect. Um, but what is it that Jacoby Walter has done so well so far for Baylor? I think it's his ability to get open and knock down shots. They do a really good job of creating open looks for him and he takes them and he makes them. I think one of the things that he struggled with at times during high school, especially during uh, grassroots play was he played an awful lot on the ball and was in charge of a lot of self shot creation, which really isn't his strength. Now, don't get me wrong. He can handle it and he can create a shot, but he's more of a one, two, maybe three dribble at max guy, get to his spot and put it up where we saw him in high school in some situations where he was a primary ball handler and doing a lot of dribbling that played away to his, from his strengths. So now he's playing to those strengths. I think he's a guy who shows a lot of potential on the defensive end because of his physicality and his feel for the game. You know, he, he came out of the gates hot against Auburn in that opening game with, with, I think it was a 28 point game and really put the nation on notice. And, you know, like any freshman, he's had a couple up and down moments, but, for the most part, he's been pretty dominant. He's playing for a team that has a lot of experience and he's kind of asserted himself as the go-to scorer. And, you know, I also want to give a nod to our coworker, Brandon Jenkins, who is based in Texas and was pretty adamant that you watch when he gets to college, he's going to outplay any other of the other shooting guards in the class. And so he needs to be number one at that position. 
And he's done just that. And I think that, like you say, when it comes to guys that have helped themselves out from an NBA standpoint, he's certainly one of those in the class. You know what's interesting, and, and Trotter, I'm going to come to you for your counterpoint in a, in a minute here, but I, I think from a rankings perspective, I just want to add this context. I, you know, he was at Link year last year, and I thought he had a good year, but I didn't think he had a great year. I saw Link quite a bit, um, but we still bumped him up at the end, and I, I remember it got a little pushback when we had him as high as we did, uh, based in large pack, in, based in large part around the productivity relative to other top 10 caliber guys. But I think this just is a little bit of an example about how, when you get to that final rankings, that's where you've really got to start to like lean into that projection and also um, the fit. And I think in high school uh, he was in a position, both not so much at link, but prior to that, certainly on the three SSB circuit, where to your point, he had the ball in his hands and he was trying to create, and it was just not, his best version of himself. Now I get it. And I'm a proponent of guys trying to stretch their games and stuff, but at Baylor, he's got a really like, they've got him in a very specific role and he's not probing. He's not creating, he's playing off the catch. He's shooting. And this role is one that he is really well suited for. And I think that's why you're seeing him produce at such a high level. I think that's why you're seeing him go up draft boards. So I think the caliber of the fit is really good. And I also think it speaks to, um, to Brandon's credit, the ability to recognize like, okay, this isn't necessarily about what he was as a high school senior, but about what he could be moving forward. So credit to him. But before we move on, I will give Trotter the chance to vote yay or nay on uh, this is the number two ranked freshman in the country. No, I, I'm, I'm totally on board with this. I think he had a good case for number one, but number two makes a ton of sense. 45% on catch and shoot threes this year. And all of those issues that we've talked about have actually come into play a little bit at Baylor. He's really struggled on off-the-bounce jumpers. When he's kind of getting that pull-up jumper, it's been a shot he can make, but it's not really been very efficient so far. For me, it's all about getting to the rim. When he gets downhill and gets to the rim, he's shooting over 75% at the rim so far this year. It's great numbers. It's exactly what he needs to be doing more of. But he's an elite catch-and-shoot guy, and then the ability to attack that rim and get downhill off the bounce has been really good. And getting Ray J. Dennis has proven to be a huge piece for that Baylor entire roster just coming together because I don't think Jacoby Walter would be having this type of season where he's the number two freshman so far in the country without a pass first guy like Ray J. Dennis, who could really kind of set the table for that Baylor offense. Hey, hey, and also uh, real quick, I don't think we're going to go through all 13 guys on this list, but I think we also need to point out that Baylor is one of only two programs to have two players on this initial top 13 list. Yeah, And the job that, 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 that Eves Missy is doing after reclassifying. Now, his reclass is a little bit misleading because he's a guy who turned 19 in May of what was theoretically his junior year. So even, moving him, up to the, yeah, even yeah. moving him up to the class of 2023, where I think we kind of all knew behind the scenes was a class that he was in for real, even though he was being listed as 2024. He was on the older end, but that doesn't diminish what he's done for Baylor. Like that guy's getting more and more minutes. He's merging as more than just a lob threat. He's a big time shot blocker. He can run the floor. And, and if you're going to speak about guys who are helping themselves out from an NBA standpoint, while also outplaying rankings, and he was a highly ranked guy. Um, Eves has been awesome. And it, it, it also is a fit factor again, because they're putting him in a role that, that is well suited to what he does best rim runner, um lob threat shot blocker and getting to show a little bit of that defensive prowess as well and then not being asked and that's all stuff that translates up 
And then he's not being asked to do stuff that he's really not quite as qualified to do. So again, I think it's it's a quality of the fit as well as a credit to his individual ability. All right, now this is gonna bring us to one of the more interesting kind of sub-conversations of this freshman class because number three on Bossy's board of freshmen is Reed Shepard. Now, hand up, he was undirect. Um, I have my theories on that and we'll get into that as we go, but he has been spectacular. Uh, Bossy, you had him at number three about a month ago. I wrote a story um, where I reached out to NBA scouts and just tried to get their perspective on it and got a lot of good feedback uh, there as well. But beyond just Reed Shepard, this is a fascinating kind of story about Kentucky's recruiting class as a whole, because this was the number one ranked class in a country. Reed Shepard, he's been awesome, but so is Rob Dillingham. Uh, DJ Wagner has been kind of up and down. He was the top ranked guard coming into the class. He's still playing more minutes than those guys, which is another interesting kind of subplot to all this. Justin Edwards, who was also a top three prospect in the class, he has been um, steady but unspectacular. And I'll go back to something I said on this show six months ago where I was concerned that he wouldn't necessarily stand out because he wouldn't assert himself as much as some of these other freshmen. I think that's come to pass. But I say all this to say there's going to be a number of subplots to get into first. But before we do that, let's give Reed his flowers and talk about just how good he has been. So, Bossy, why is he number three on your board of best freshmen? You know, first of all, I went back and forth between who to put it for higher up on the list between him and Dillingham because Dillingham is right behind him at number four. But I decided to go with Reed just on his total impact on the game, what he's doing not only on the offensive end and his mind-numbing three-point shooting at this point, which, you know, why is this guy not getting more three-point shots yet when he's shooting it, you know, on the plus side of 55% from the field? But that's another story. But, you know, I frankly, I did not think Reed Shepard was going to be able to defend at mm-hmm. an SEC level when he got there. And he really, really struggled handling the ball against any kind of length and quickness at the high school level. Um, you know, maybe I just happened to catch him on bad days. Maybe, no, maybe, but we probably overreacted a little bit to some struggles during McDonald's All-American workouts. But, man, the guy has been spectacular. You also got to feel whether or not people thought he was the highest-ranked guy in the class. You're talking about a kid from Kentucky whose parents both played at Kentucky. There's a lot of expectations and just a lot of pressure on him to be great. And I think he's really been kind of the glue that has held Kentucky together and allowed to be some of these guys, you know, DJ Wagner and Rob Dillingham, we had a lot of wonders about can those two play together because they're both so ball dominant. But right. a guy like Shepard, who's been able to be so hyper efficient, can kind of connect those guys and bridge the gap. And he's done that and he's done it on both ends of the of the floor. And I think he's not the only reason, but a very big reason why Kentucky is a legitimate national championship contender right now. All right, Trotter, what do you got? Does he make any mistakes? Like he plays so clean basketball wise, like defensively, his rotations are on point. He has super sticky hands. He gets a ton of deflections for the amount of minutes that he plays offensively, just making the right read at the right time under the right pace at all times. It's, it's really unbelievable. And you know, some of the offensive metrics are going to be through the roof and it it makes sense when you're shooting 55% from three point range, but the eye test completely backs it up on everything that he's doing for them. You know, Kentucky has a lot of really good players, 
Reed Shepard has been arguably their most valuable player this year, and I don't think that's hyperbole. Well, by the numbers, he's not only leading the team in offensive rating, but he's 14th overall in the country. Um, I don't have his plus minus uh, numbers in front of me, but at one point it wasn't just the best on the team. It was the best in the country and not just the best in the country, but it was best in like a generation. It was something absurd through the first month of the season. And that's really what spurred me to reach out to those NBA scouts. Um, One of the things I did when I did that deep dive was try and provide some context as to like what we were thinking when we ranked him as high as, as low as we did, I should say. And um, believe it or not, the shooting was, is better at Kentucky than it has been at any other step along the way. You can go back and look at his numbers on any of the Adidas circuits, which we have all of them. Uh, I shouldn't say we, I should say which synergy sports has all of them logged. Um, You can go back and look at, his numbers, it it's not it's not all of his high school games, but in whatever games that that Synergy captured uh, last year at his, at his high school. And he was I don't think he was ever above 35 percent. So we are seeing him shoot the ball better than ever before. The other thing he had a really um, he had a really high turnover rate in high school, too. And again, it, it was consistent across multiple kind of settings, whether it was in in um, three SSB play or with his high school team. Now. Here, to me, is the disconnect. In every setting we saw him previously, whether it was 3SSB or in high school, Reed Shepard was the guy. He was option A, B, and C. And I know on that Midwest Basketball Club, he was that's an exceptionally well-coached t- team, and he had some other guys on that team. But, Bossy, please jump in and disagree with me here if you, if you do. It, Reed Shepard was the primary domino, and he was the primary domino pretty consistently. I think what we've got here is a role player extraordinaire who is at his best when he is not the primary domino. I think some of the concerns we had about his ability to separate, to create separation, even about his defensive foot speed. Right now, people are going to jump in and the Twitter comments are going to go nuts and they're going to say, you're idiots. But honestly, I think those are still questions. I think those are still valid. Um, maybe the point that we didn't consider quite enough was just how good his hands were defensively, certainly how 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 well he processed the game, but some of the indicators from a statistical standpoint didn't necessarily reflect that because of the role. So again, what I look at is this guy who is this role player extraordinaire who is thriving in a situation where, yeah, by the analytics, he's the most efficient player on the floor, but he's the most efficient player on the floor when his role is the third or fourth option in their offense. That's what I see right now. We'll see if he proves to be more than that. Before we move on, any boss, you want to anything to add to that? Or do we want to take just start to extend this out and talk about the rest of this freshman class in this backcourt? Yeah, I think we can kind of move on and, and, you know, especially talk about Dilly a little bit. Yeah, so Dilly's been great. Dilly's been great. The 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 shot making, the scoring, uh, the pace. Um, Now, on your board here, boss, uh, you had Shepard at three, you had Dillingham right at four. So what made actually, so I got a two-part question for you. Did you consider going any higher with Shepard than three? I know you said you thought about flipping them back and forth at three and four. Did you consider moving Shepard any higher and then get into what what made uh, Dilly top four, maybe even top three? And should also note that he's another guy, they both are, but especially Dillingham, getting some traction now with NBA scouts. Yeah, so I thought in my mind, I was pretty sure on Isaiah Collier and Jacoby Walter being the top two guys. So uh-huh. then it was a then it was a discussion between 
Dillingham and Shepard for me at three and four. And I ultimately went with Shepard just because he's been so good on both sides of the ball. And, mm-hmm. you know, with Dilly, I think none of us had questions about can he score the ball. None of us had questions about his quickness. None of us had questions about his offensive capabilities or repertoire. What we wondered is how is he going to do? How is he going to – he'd never really been in the most stable of environments. He was involved with the whole cluster at Donda and then was at OTE for a little bit. And, you know, some people – and played as part of an underachieving summer team when he was playing with Gigi Jackson and some other guys, and they couldn't get past the, the quarter. I don't even think they made it out of their pool in the yeah, last Peach Jam. Was on that team too, yep. Yeah, so, you know, there, there were some questions there that if this guy's that good as a point guard, why can't he – experience a little bit more success but i think from reading some of the stuff dillingham has been the first to admit that he he needed a little bit of a i guess a, a mental rearrangement with how he approached things and what he valued and he really seems to be thriving in a situation where i think there was a lot of concerns that he was going to be butting heads not only with teammates but with john calipari and so all the credit in the world to dillingham for really changing what people thought about him now he's one that we still i think you remember from the rankings reading meetings he fell just outside of the five-star range he was one that i kind of thought hey i get the concerns with him but we still can't discredit what he's able to do once that ball's in his hands and and should be a five-star but you know a couple spots in the ranking is really neither no i was was skeptical i was skeptical. you know but but he's and i i had the skepticism too but at the end of the day i was like this is too much talent to ignore but you know i think he's even if we had ranked him say number 15 and as a five-star, instead of number 21, as one of the first four-stars, he's still exceeding expectations right now. And so much of it comes from he's doing the things that people wondered whether he'd be willing to do. Like the guy's accepting a role off the bench and so far has been a total team player about it. He's not been a pig with the ball. He's gotten others involved. And you know that guy's going to generate an instant offense. And even on the times where it hasn't gone his way, he hasn't become disruptive. There's some guys who – don't know how to cope with struggles and there were some worries that he would be one of those guys and so far the few struggles he's had he's done a really great job of dealing with them and I think John Calipari has done a great job of coaching him through any issues now this is going to sound like me just defending what we did last year because obviously but let me preface this by saying obviously it was wrong he's he's outplayed where he was at however um, I do think based on everything you just said I think it was more right than it was wrong at that time. You know, I think there were very fair concerns. Even some of the initial intel coming out of Kentucky was that there were concerns. And so to your point and to his credit, I think he has matured in a big way. And that's why we are seeing, you know, him play the the way that he is. Um, I've got a bunch of numbers that I could rattle off, but um, I know Isaac is is usually far better with the d- diligence than I am. So I'm going to go to him first and then I'll then I'll come back and and uh, and give some numbers and we can talk about that a little bit more. So, Isaac, what do you, what do you got on Rob Dillingham? I actually don't have any uh, nerdy numbers for you for this one, but the I thing love the nerdy numbers. I love the nerdy numbers. The thing that stands out for me is how Kentucky and John Calipari has changed to elevate him. You know, they have started to play with a lot more pace. When he's on the floor, their Mm -hmm. tempo is through the roof. Kentucky's tempo this year has been one of the highest tempos in all of college basketball. And the fear of God and other opposing defenses when when Dilly has the ball in his hands, you can just feel it. The game, I remember I was here in Chicago watching Kansas play Kentucky in the Champions Classic. You just feel Kansas's defensive and energy completely changes when Dillingham has the ball. And then he started getting going a little bit. 
and Kansas's defense had really no answer for him. So I, I think that John Calipari and this Kentucky staff should deserve a little bit of credit for this because I think some of the X's and O's questions with John Calipari have kind of been there for a while. And this year, I think they've changed a little bit because he has really evolved his system to really elevate Rob Dillingham. And, and you're seeing the fruits of that labor right now. So Kentucky has their highest rated offense since uh, through where are we at through January 8th. They have their highest rated offense since the 2015 2016 season when they had Tyler Eulis, Isaiah Briscoe and Jamal uh, Murray running the show there. Um, this is where it gets interesting to me, though, because Dillingham is averaging just under 14 points, four rebounds and four assists. He's shooting 46 percent from the floor, 77 from free throw. 41 from three. He is also uh, really high up the board in offensive rating on the team. Um, he's playing five minutes less less per game than DJ Wagner. Uh, DJ Wagner is in every major statistical category. Let me make sure I get this right. Points, rebounds, even totality of assists playing about 20% more. Uh, he is under Rob Dillingham. So this to me, and I know Cal has said like, hey, we're going to go with different guys on different days, but to his, depending on your perspective, to his credit, if you're a high, high rated recruit, this goes all the way back to the Harrisons. Like if Cal tells you, you're going to have an opportunity, you're going to have an opportunity. And DJ Wagner has had an opportunity. Um, I said that I think part of the reason why Reed Shepard has been as good as he has been is because the opportunity has been somewhat confined. He hasn't been put in a situation where he has to do too much too soon. So, boss, my question to you is, is this a good thing that Rob Dillingham is playing a, a kind of a more confined role? Or is this somebody who should be playing more? And I'll give you guys both a chance to answer that. I mean, I think he should be playing more. The The results speak for themselves. Um, he's, he's out playing DJ Wagner right now. And if that means putting them both on the floor together and adjusting things with maybe Justin Edwards minutes or something like that, then so be it. But I just don't see any reason to not be playing this kid 30 minutes a game right now. Yeah, Kentucky, yeah, Kentucky's so much better when Reed Shepard and Rob Dillingham have been on the floor, especially together this year. They've been excellent on both ends of the floor. I, I just I don't know what the holdup is at this point. I, you know, at some point you're going to have to have hard conversations, but if this continues all year long, are we going to have a, a point in the NCAA tournament where, you know, Reed Shepard and Rob Dillingham played 22 minutes and that's why Kentucky didn't advance? Like, if that just can't happen. That just can't happen. Those are two of your best three players so far this year. They got to play. We talked about numbers. I want to end it with this because I can't say Dillingham's numbers and not say Reed Shepard's numbers. These are just stupid. Ready for this? In 26 minutes per game, Reed Shepard, which incidentally is also less than DJ Wagner. He's averaging 12.6 points, 4.7 rebounds, 4.2 assists versus uh, 1.5 turnovers. So he's flirting with a three to one assist to turnover ratio. 2.5 steals and 0.8 blocks. So he's got, if you're a stocks guy, he's got 3.3 per game. Shooting 57% from the floor, 87% from the free throw line. And here's my favorite, 55% from the three-point line. Through 13 games, this man is shooting 55% from the three-point line. And I'm gonna repeat, he was rarely above 35% in 
in most of three SSB play and most of the stuff that we have data on through high school. So Reed Shepard is just a statistical anomaly. Um, I, one of the things I've said before is one of the best parts about our job, boss, I'm going to assume you're going to agree with this, is when we're wrong, sometimes it's just fun. And I'm thrilled that we were wrong about Reed Shepard and he's as good as he is. And we were also, uh, to a lesser extent, but a, a little slightly wrong about, about Rob Dillingham. They've, they've been great. They've been great. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Um, all right, we're going to keep going here, but those are the top four freshmen in Bossy's list. Number five, we're not going to spend a ton of time on it, but we got to give Malik Mack his flowers, cracking the top five, 19 points, four assists, four rebounds for Harvard. Uh, just an incredible season he's having. Trotter, I want to give you a chance now to, you know, push back as we did in our, our meeting here. Who were, Who's on the, um, the Trotter all snub team at this point, even though Bossy did... He ranked, let's see here. We've got 13 different guys, or 12 different guys ranked. No, 13, I'm sorry. And uh, several others mentioned to keep an eye on. So there were, if, if you didn't read this, make sure you do, because this is there's a ton of depth in this story. But Trotter, who's on your all-snub team? Let's have some fun here. Yeah, close to 20 names on here, and we don't have any room for Aiden Holloway out of Auburn. Uh, that That's one of the best players, like one of the best teams in the country so far this year. They are one of the top 10 teams in, in Ken Palm. And I know that the the numbers don't look great because they got they play 10 guys at least 15 minutes a night, but he almost has a four to one assist to turnover ratio, 28% assist rate, shooting 37% from three. He had a couple games with a couple shooting slumps. And, you know, I understand it. The two per point percentage hasn't been very good. His in-between game hasn't been there so far this year, struggling to shoot at the rim, but drop coverage killer. And he just completely destroys uh, anytime you play drop coverage, USC tried it, got burned. US or Indiana tried it, got burned. Baylor tried it, got burned. And like that, that's the type of big game hunter that I, I love as a freshman. He plays with a lot of confidence. So his numbers don't really jump off the map to you just because he doesn't play a lot because they have so many guys in that rotation. I think Aiden Holloway has been really, really good so far this year for an Auburn team that's outplayed preseason expectations and is an SEC contender. Boss, you can always tell when when Trotter's got like the point he's going to lean into because he's so well researched on it that like, you know, he was just waiting, waiting for that one. So, um, yeah, the, the only thing left to do now is figure out his his draft Twitter handle that he's posting as a, as his burner account, because he's definitely putting these things out there somewhere. And, and I think we know we I'm pretty sure we ranked Holloway higher than anyone else. We had him as a five star. So he's a guy that we definitely like. And he has been been very good at Auburn. He just didn't quite make the list for me because of the inefficiency overall on the offensive end. But he's also playing in a system where I don't think Bruce Pearl really cares all that much about how efficient you are as a guard and it's, can you get buckets. And he's he's certainly been very good and is certainly going to be an all-SEC freshman guy at the rate he's going. But let me – all right, let me just add some some – 
ammunition to that argument. Aiden Holloway right now, 33% from the floor, 36% from the three-point line. So uh, when you speak about those inefficiencies, that's obviously a big factor. Now, uh, Trotter mentioned his assist-to-turnover ratio, and it's impressive. It's 3.6 assists per game to just 0.9. Um, but and I, I think the the drop coverage point is is a factor. And for those people who are watching, you don't necessarily know what that means. It means that when you're playing pick and roll, if the big defender is sagging back and basically giving you the pull up, Aiden Holloway is going to take and make that pull up from whatever range, basically all game long. Um, I think one of the things that I am most interested in is um, his two point percentage, because I think that's a, a really big factor shooting about two thirds of his shots right now from behind the three point line. He's at 36% from that. Every defense he plays is going to be coached to run him off the line. He's still getting up more than six threes per night, taking about three shots per game. And that's a really small number um, inside the arc. And he is rough math around 30% on that. So that's got to change. The rim pressure has got to change. It's got to evolve. Um, wherever you want to rank him, that's just for fun. But I think for him to be the best version of himself, he's got to be able to, to get into that paint. Cause he's also not getting to the free throw line. He's getting, he's, he's averaging two free throws per game. So, um, the extent to which he can start to become a, a threat inside the arc and put more pressure on the rim. I think that's only going to open his three point shooting, uh, because this is a guy who we considered to be one of the very best shooters in all of high school basketball last year. All right, moving on. Trotter, who else is on the all Trotter snub team? John Blackwell out of Wisconsin is a freshman who I think would be my choice for Big Ten Freshman of the Year, um, which I understand, again, it's one of those things where the numbers are a little bit different than what the eye test has been. He's shooting in the mid-40s from three. He's become Wisconsin's best guard off the bench so far this year, a terrific, terrific defender. And then the, the effort on the glass is unbelievable. He's averaging almost eight rebounds per 40 minutes. Uh, just in 19 minutes a game this year, he's averaging close to four rebounds for a wing for a Wisconsin team that plays a little bit slower and has two bigs on the floor. That's usually a, a pretty good sign of, of his instincts for the basketball. And, you know, we entered this year going, hey, Wisconsin's got Connor Sejan. They got A.J. Store on the wing. But John Blackwell has carved out a big time role for that team. And that's a Wisconsin team that I, again, that's another one that I, I like freshmen that impact winning and come into a team and like, hey, it's an old team. It's a veteran team. They got five starters back. They got a, a big star transfer in. But Blackwell is a guy who is a little bit underrated as a recruit. He's just found a way to play winning basketball for a program that, you know, I think they're they're one of the top three teams in the Big Ten so far this year. Hey. I see. I'm pretty sure that that Trotter just said we we underrated him and that he likes winners and we don't. So I'll, I'll just I'll just let you I'll let you attack that. Yeah, no, no, no. It's he's he's been awesome. You know, the, the Big Ten has not been the most impressive conference when it comes to freshmen, particularly with some of the most highly rated ones. They're struggling a little bit, but he's been good. You know, Owen Freeman at Iowa has been very good. Cam Christie in Minnesota has been very mm -hmm. good. So there's. I think those would probably be the three guys that come up the most if we're talking about the Big Ten freshman of the year race. But, uh, you know, there is a guy who's on my list that I know Isaac wanted to talk about that is, I think, very much so impacting winning. And he checked in at number seven, Jackson Selstad at Oregon. I know you wanted to, to, you know, unload the clip on him a little bit, Isaac. Oh, man. 
I mean, you're already like taught, like he's one of my favorite guards in all of college basketball this year as a true freshman. His pull-up jumper is terrific. You know, sometimes there's some questions about what does he add as a playmaker, but as a pure raw score, unbelievable. Like from three-point range, he's been dynamite this year. Like I said, the pull-up jumper from mid-range has been nice. You know, he's only 6'1". We talk, oh, Aiden Holloway has struggled to finish around the rim. Jackson Shellstad is small just like him, but he's shooting over 65% at the rim. So I think three-level score gets thrown a lot around a lot but Jackson Shellstad has that and and he got hurt right he at the beginning of the year he got hurt was kind of working his way back in kind of got tossed right into the fire for an Oregon team that's had a bunch of injuries you know I, I can't wait till Infali Dante gets healthy and we have Jackson Shellstad kind of maneuvering around those screens because Dante's going to set some huge screens and that, that's going to open up Shellstad to, to get to his jumper even more and I, I think he's one of the best scorers in in the Pac-12 already that's saying something for a true freshman who's a little bit undersized. Yeah, 15 points per game in 32 minutes, shooting 52% from the floor, 44% from three-point line, 79% uh, percent from the free-throw line, three assists against 2.2 turnovers. So he's certainly one of the best freshmen in the country. All right, gentlemen, before we shut this down, is there anyone else you want to give uh, some love to here in this current freshman class? Yeah, I think we need to talk about Cody Williams um, okay. before we finish out because, yep. you know, this is – done primarily based on college production so far and how they're playing as a freshman and we know cody has only played seven games so far so his number is has been limited but i needed to at least include him somewhere and we put him in at number 13 even though we want to argue just as a player and what he's doing if he'd had more games to show it i think we'd be talking about him as a top five guy but also in a class where nba guys have been racking yeah. their brains trying to find someone that they like cody williams was already taking the elevator up upwards on it and in a strange way maybe him being injured right now is helping him even more because he's he's just sitting here and letting these other guys do the work for him of moving him up the draft while they they struggle even though i think he'd be doing it on his own like if you see the tape of like what he did in a hostile environment at colorado state where he totally took the game over like I love Isaiah Stevens for Colorado State, but if you're watching that second half, there was no question who the best player, who the best prospect, all that stuff was on the floor. And it was Cody Williams. And he's the guy that, you know, I, I talked about last year. I really felt when it was all said and done, could end up being the best prospect out of this class. And he showed glimpses of it. Now he's also showed glimpses of what the concerns with him were with being a little timid. He was downright bad playing for FIBA U19 during the summer. But I think if we get to see more of him, he comes back healthy from, I believe it's a wrist issue that he's dealing with now. I think we're going to see a lot more good from Cody Williams. And we're going to see a guy who not only continues to fly up NBA draft boards, but could fly up the freshman ratings. All right, Trotter, parting thought from you. I love Cody Williams. You know, I think he's one of those guys that like in transition, it's like, he's just so smooth and so effortless. And, you know, you have KJ Simpson, you have Tristan De Silva, you have Eddie Lampkin on that Colorado team. They got a lot of old veteran guys. And Cody Williams just kind of moves right in and becomes an impactful player. And that big second half against Colorado State was special, but there's also other games where it feels like, hey, where's Cody Williams out on the floor? And then you look at the box score, he has 17. Like, I, I love that part about his game, yeah. too, that he just he just impacts it, even if he doesn't necessarily have the ball in his hands. But, Bossy, do you think he's a point guard? Because he's had some times where he's handling it a little bit, like a little bit more than I thought he would. Yeah, you know, I, I think they've kind of put him there to create some some matchup issues and because he takes pretty good care of the ball and makes good decisions. But, you know, I, I don't see him, at least not right now, being a full-time point guard, certainly not at the NBA level. But 
you know, the best NBA wings are kind of second point guards where they get a lot of offense run through them. You know, you, you, you look at a guy like, whether it be Kawhi, Paul George, you know, whoever, all the best Jason NBA Tatum. wings, you know, Jason Tatum, Kevin Durant, you name it. Like they can all be initiators. And I'm not saying he's going to be at that level with those guys because I don't want to put those expectations on him. But he does have the tools in the game to be an upper-level NBA tier wing because of that playmaking ability and because of his ability to handle the ball. All right, guys, my parting thought, I want to give some love to Jared McCain, who really stepped up when Tyrese Proctor went down, scored. uh, He scored 18 or more points in four of his last six games. Now Proctor is back in the lineup, so it's going to be really interesting uh, to see if McCain's productivity is able to kind of maintain where it's been, but he's been terrific for Duke. I mean, stepped in and made a a very immediate impact um, and is just, I mean, at every step along the way, he's proven to be an overachiever. He's a big time shooter. He's super mature. He's a competitor. We all know about his vision board and all the intangibles he brings, but in just about every setting he's ever been in from USA basketball on up, he's really proven himself uh, and proven the doubters wrong. And so I just wanted to give him some recognition here. 12 points, four rebounds, two assists per game, 44% from the three-point line, 90% from the free throw line, and um, the 1.8 assists to only about 1.1 turnover. So flirting with a two-to-one assist to turnover ratio, someone else. And he was also in Bossy's top 10, the best overall freshman. If you haven't read Bossy's piece, make sure you visit 247sports.com. We're going to have a lot of content this week. Travis's big board is coming out. Trotter's got multiple features. I'm going to have a couple things as it relates to how NBA teams are going to handle this, frankly, very bad draft class. Make sure you check it all out, 247sports.com. As always, whether you're listening or watching, thanks for joining us. This is Tony Kornheiser's show. I'm Tony. We expected someone else. So what exactly is the show about? Hmm, I don't know. It's a sports show nominally. Football's over, but we're finally at a point where things matter in college basketball. And baseball season is on deck. Greatest three words in the English language, pitchers and catchers. We have some of the best voices come on and explain what matters or what makes an upset, like Ryan does. (laughs) Nine over eight. No, that's not an upset. No, yeah, it is, Bob. And if you're lucky, I might just tell you about my search for discounted sleep pants or my worries about what my dog just ate. Listen on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts.